Welcome to Thinking Too Hard About Anime, an anime discussion podcast. It's a little bit of history, a little bit of analysis, and a lot of over-examining the Japanese media we love so much. I am your co-host, Aaron J. Shelton, and with me, as always, is... Noah Carden. And this is the last episode of Season 3, Satoshi Coneheads. Uh, We'll be discussing the the last uh, completed project that Cone directed... It ain't. It's not Ohio. It's. Uh, is it Ohio? Wait. <laughs> Ohio. Ohio. Yep. Okay. Um, that one. Uh, we'll be discussing some of his unfinished projects, uh, and unfortunately, his death, as well as ranking. Uh, I think just the movies uh, for us personally, and just yeah. any final thoughts. But this is this is it. Uh, we're going to try and keep it together uh, mm-hmm. as we discuss this. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get started with uh, Ohio. Uh, so Ohio is a sixty-second short uh, produced by uh, Madhouse uh, and directed by Cone. Uh, it was a part of the Annie Curry Fifteen, which was a series of one-minute shorts, fifteen one-minute shorts, broadcast on the NHK, which is the Japan Broadcasting Corporation. It's like the biggest public broadcaster in Japan. Um, and they were broadcast between May 2007 and 2008. So it's a year of these one-minute shorts that were broadcast like between uh, TV shows, things like that. Um, they're broken down into f- three seasons of five shorts with Ohio, which means good morning in Japanese, uh, being the the final one, Ohio is actually included on the Western release of Tokyo Godfathers, and it comes with a little three minute behind the scenes as well. Where um, I think the most poignant part of that behind the scenes and and the the, the short um, is that when it was being made, it was the tenth anniversary of Cone's uh, directorial debut. Uh, and he wanted it to be sort of a reawakening into his career. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you which, can't do you know, this to me. Is, which is very fortunate, considering that a few years later he would pass away. But, um, yeah, it's, it's he, as he often did, he would kind of insert himself into the, the primary character. He, would, he sees himself in that primary character a lot in a lot of his works. Um and that 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 awakening and that sort of reexamination and that sort of um, oneness that you kind of feel in this short is what he was trying to to express. The short itself, again, it's only sixty second long, but it features a woman uh, waking up and going about her morning as she 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 gets up, she gets ready for her day, and just from the incredible amount of like detail around her room we we kind of intuit that like last night was like her birthday she went out now she's she's getting up she's like you know a bit of a mess and what we see is as she wakes up she gets like a a phone call or a message as she gets up um part of herself stays in the bed and she gets up and goes about her day like she is sort of transparent translucent um as she goes about like getting up turning on the tv brushing her teeth um, drinking some orange juice or milk from the carton, like directly out of her her uh, refrigerator, um, and then as she's doing this stuff, 
the part of her, the the copy of her that is in her bed, kind of gets up after her, like delayed, and it really shows that sense of like when you get up in the morning, you know, you're not quite all there. Your 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 mind and your body are like delayed from each other. They have to kind of play catch up. Um, so we see that like you know, as she brushes her teeth and then goes to get into the shower, sure, her body starts to finally kind of like catch up, sync up a little bit. And then as she, you know, goes to her sink and, like, looks at herself in the mirror, everything syncs up. She becomes uh, completely opaque, and she says, Ohio, she says good morning to herself, and that's the end of the clip. Um, the The first time I watched this short, uh, I, <laughs> I could feel myself tearing up. There's just something about this short that is just so impactful, so beautiful, and knowing that it is the last thing that Cohen would direct to completion um, just makes it much more meaningful in a way to me, at least. Uh, You having said uh, his intention with it and his feelings on it, um, you, you definitely get that. You definitely pick that up because it's very reminiscent of uh, Mina's room in Mm -hmm. perfect blue. Uh, It's the same. It's he, he loves characters that look the same. (laughs) He, he, it, you know her, the the lead in this mm-hmm. is very similar to Mina and and Paprika, and um, yeah, you get the you get this wonderful transition from these cool colors in the beginning to mm-hmm. everything warming up. It's please just uh, go watch it. It's, it's yeah. pause this and and just pull it up. It's it's sixty seconds of your time. It is available on YouTube all over the place. Um, You're telling me you got time for an hour and a half podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but not for a 60-second YouTube clip. Yeah. The other thing is that during the production, uh, the short is actually animated on twos mm. as opposed to threes, which is typical of Japanese animation. And basically what that means is um, that's how many frames per second uh, is happening, so how many frames of animation are happening. So animating on twos means that uh, it's going to be a lot smoother animation, um, a lot of, like, you know... Uh, a lot of Western animation tends to be on twos when you see like a lot of uh, film animation, like feature films, those tend to be on twos or even on ones if you want like incredibly smooth animation. But that also means that's all a lot of drawings. Um, but uh, so the animation in this is on twos, which makes it very smooth. But then also just the amount of detail in the room is super, super precise. Like it is one of the most detailed like backgrounds and like sets for an animation that I think I've ever seen um, that stays consistent throughout the entire thing. Like it is absolutely gorgeous and you get a real feel for this girl and the, the, the apartment that she lives in this tiny little Japanese apartment um, and the absolute mess that she must've been when she came home the previous night. Like it's, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous uh, short to watch on top of it being so meaningful uh, to Cohn's work. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful summation of everything he's done, uh, I think both uh, thematically and um, <clears throat> uh, visually mm-hmm. uh, to what he's done. There is a similar thing that happened uh, about seven years later called the Japan Animator Expo, mm-hmm. um, which was a bunch of original net animations. Uh, so they were just released online. Um, and it was actually a collaboration between Hideaki Yano, uh, his studio Kara and Duongo, um, 
and they sort of did a similar thing where they got a bunch of animators and animation studios to put together a bunch of shorts. Um, they uh, those went from 2014 to 2015. Um, they they have a, a whole lot of shorts out there that I'm sure you can find. Um, you'll probably have to do some digging because they're not available on their website anymore. Um, but uh, I think probably the biggest one was Me Me Me, which was a, a music video <clears throat> that was it, it very very popular. It certainly is. <laughs> um, but they also had some projects from like Evangelion. There was one uh, that was a, a Pat Labor uh, short. Um, the the opening uh, character for it was actually designed by uh, Hayao Miyazaki. So um, go in, and dig those up as well. That's it's always amazing to see like what you know. It's amazing to see like a little animation festival, basically, like that you can just go and watch online or on your tv it's it's like you said it's a it's a shame they didn't do more things like this um yeah and uh, so that was oh anything else on this um i think that's really about it for this um the same year that he was working on uh, ohio uh cone helped establish the japanese animators creators association um which is basically just a, a non-profit to help improve the working conditions of animators in Japan. Um, so uh, there's not much there. It's just, you know, that was their goal. Um, Cohen was a member. He was a founder of it. Um, and they would go on to try and help with uh, working conditions in, in Japan for animators because uh, they're not good. <laughs> uh, animators are... Uh, as we have seen in some of the stuff that we've watched, uh, animators go through a lot. They have to work through a lot, and uh, they are expected to do a lot for not a lot of pay, not a lot of benefits. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, that's about all I've really got. All right. Um, so, so going into some of the uh, unfinished, uh, unstarted uh, projects that Cone had. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few of them before we get into Dream Machine, his his planned next feature film. And this information comes from the Animation Obsessive uh, in his blog slash newsletter. I don't know what people have now. Um, his 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 live journal. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so we'll have that link there so you can get a little more info if you want. Uh, but the first project we will talk about uh, is going to be Phantom. As we've discussed before, Cone uh, was working in the OVA space uh, in JoJo's, and he was developing this sci-fi story, this four-episode sci-fi story as an OVA. Um, and we have a few quotes from him uh, about the project. Um, quote, it was about clone experiments in psychic powers a science fiction story that would unfold over time. It would use some of the standard SF tropes and keep you in suspense over who was the copy and who was the original, with false memories and everything. That kind of motif was popular at the time. Uh, And then as far as the plot, uh, a little more into it, it was characters with special powers called Automata, hmm, hunt the clones who hunt the originals. It is going to be a wild manhunt full of incredible action, 
Some of these originals find out they are actually copies with implanted memories. Then they have to deal with the trauma of that and try to uncover the source of their false memories. Um, so I think that quote is from the pitch document. Um, I can tell because it is going to be a wild manhunt full of incredible action. <laughs> it's very, it's very pitchy to, yeah, to my yeah. ear. It's going to be great. Look, there's action, <laughs> romance, thrills. Uh, if you click the link that we'll have in here for the anime of, animation obsessive, uh, you'll see some pictures from Phantom. Um, it's very, um, it's yeah. It's there's not too many. It's mainly characters. There's an old yeah. man, uh, a bearded old man in, in a jacket. Uh, there's a young lady that looks kind of if Lane if Lane from the from Serial Experiments Lane was a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, they have ages. So seventeen, the old man sixty eight. If I can speculate, it's one. It's similar ground to what he covered in his, his manga. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the design and some of the, at least like the the color and layout from it seem very mm-hmm. similar to Mamoru Oshii and that rubbing off on him. So it's, it, if I had to guess, I think he's like, this would sell as an OVA. I could get an OVA made with this concept mm-hmm. during this time. Yeah, like this is, this is happening, like you said, uh, in the 90s. So he was still very early in his his career um and he was making that sort of transition from his manga work into animation so there's gonna be some of that like hey what can i take from like my manga and turn into or like what ideas like what those like little nuggets of gold could i take and and turn into uh an ova and and yeah working with mamoru oshi is definitely gonna rub off on you uh especially when it was so close to when they were actually collaborating yeah so Phantom, not Phantoms, with Ben Affleck. Phantom uh, was pre-Perfect Blue. And there was another story that's, we don't have many details on it, that I guess he had been working on before Perfect Blue, but was thinking about doing it afterwards, uh, before he decided to do Millennium Actress. Um, and so we just have some concept art from it. Um, see, so we have... A girl dressed as a Native American. Uh, we have some shining twins, some her, some Harajuku shining twins. Uh, there's an old man with a mm-hmm. ray. I, I, I'm ki- this old man. So when you go to the article, the old man in the bottom right corner for this section, one eye, a raven. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. it's very Odin-y. So I'm I am curious what the story would have been. He did work on a video game, but there's more. It, it seems like he doesn't even remem- remember what it was for. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it seems like a, a, a real early pre-production uh, video game that uh, just either didn't happen or just happened without the work that he put into it. So uh, it's, it's only a couple of character designs seem to be the only thing that we have. There's evidence of this game. So And it's... I I do like articles like this um, mm-hmm. and this kind of information because I think on the outside when we see creators, we genuinely only see what they're able to finish, what they're able to produce and finish. Mm-hmm. Um, and we forget that there's tons and tons and tons of material that didn't go the distance or wasn't strong enough or was or they couldn't find money for you know, a myriad of reasons why these weren't done 
are completed. There's like it's it's cool to see these scraps and remember mm-hmm. that like it's not like the these creators are like knocking them out of the park every park every time. They are there's a ton of different things they're working on that we don't yeah. see. It's 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 nice to see a little glimpse into basically what their portfolio is getting to like rummage through their their sort of discarded characters or or you know bits of art and things like that to kind of see like both what they were working on but also potentially like where certain other things may have come from like obviously stuff is going to get reused at times so getting to see you know him work on stuff and then kind of take some of those things and move them into future works or where they could potentially become you know future characters or, or things like that is is always like really fascinating as a creator, you never know when that thing you've been fiddling with is actually going to be made. Mm-hmm. Especially in, you know, more collaborative works like film and animation where it takes so long to make it. So it's like you can't, well, I did this thing and it didn't work out once. Let me throw it to the world and as just let me, you know, post it. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, no, you you keep, you hold on to that because you never know when it's going to. So this was... So unfor- again, this is probably something that we would not have seen for a while, if un- unfortunately because of his death. All right. Probably the the largest uncompleted work would actually be uh, Dreaming Machine, which was going to be uh, Cone's next feature after uh, Paprika and Ohio, but uh, unfortunately, it it did not end up being released. Uh, it was actually a, a pretty decent ways into production i've seen reports that it has about 25 or so minutes of actual animation completed which given how you know how efficient cone was with um his run times like that's a that sounds like almost a third of the film was completed before yeah. his passing um but uh it was going to be a a a road movie for robots it was going to be a <laughs> Um, aimed at children, but they have some stuff for, you know, for adults in it. But um, it was uh, basically going to be about um, this sort of post-apocalyptic Earth where the only thing left are robots. And it was going to be the journey of these three robots as they look for a land where there's uh, never-ending electricity so that they, you know, they can stay alive. Um, and it starts with uh, Lyrico, a uh, a caretaker robot, just sort of like a nanny robot, um, finding a headless robot named Robin that she then, or rather just a headless robot that they, she then gives a head and a name, which is Robin. Um, and, and then they journey and they eventually meet King, who's a large blue robot, blue combat robot, um, and sort of the things that they encounter along the way as they make their, their journey. Um, and a big part of it was going to be Robin, the yellow, like little boy robot. Um, the story of him as he grows into a, a young man. Um, and uh, the 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 thing about it is that you know obviously it did not end up being completed. There's a lot of um, character designs that are out there. Um, there's a lot of uh, background or um, setting paintings that are available there's even some bits of uh, the storyboards which given how meticulous cohen was with his storyboarding uh, i would not be surprised that 
if they could get all of those like consolidated into a document and release that you could basically just read this movie like it was a comic or something like that he was so so in depth with his storyboarding that i would not be surprised if it's that level of completion supposedly there's a full storyboard i don't know if that's Mm -hmm. true uh production wise it was going to be the same thing as before animation by madhouse Mm -hmm. uh masuo mariyama uh was going to produce again And, and i guess it the movie started as an idea from him mm-hmm. uh, because he asked Cone after Tokyo Godfathers to make a movie. And this sounds like a like a five-year-old going to bed. Uh, can you make a movie about a red robot, a blue robot, and a yellow robot? <laughs> <laughs> and also give me water and I have to pee. Yes. Uh, it sounds like uh, the story behind The Princess Bride where uh, – William Goldman, the writer of The Princess Bride, uh, his two daughters were both asking for, like, what... Was, I think he believed he asked them what his next story should be about, and they were, you know, very young. And his, his two daughters says, one of them says it should be a story about a princess, the other one says it should be a story about a bride. So he was just like, okay, and then put them together and wrote The Princess Bride. But, <laughs> uh, it has that feel to it, yeah. Like, this very simple sort of prompt... Uh, that turns into this big project. Yeah. Uh, and and Nubutaka was going to, uh, the, again, art direct again, the same as uh, same as every other film. Uh, and apparently he had written, uh, Cohn had written the script uh, solo this time. Uh, and I guess had been working on it as early as 2007. Uh, and it is actually, n- the title of the movie, Dreaming Machine, is actually named after a Suzumu Hirasawa track who again was mm-hmm. going to do the score um, and re-recorded it, uh, uh, I guess, for the film. I don't know if I, I don't know if that version is available, but his original version is. And let's see, future. And I mean, you'll, as you, again, please go look at some of these designs and the, mm-hmm. in these backgrounds because it, it's bright poppy. It, it uh, I know there's a lot of inspiration from sort of it's retro futurism, so there's a lot of inspiration from like yeah. '60s and seven or like '50s, '60s sort of. I think Astro. He re- he mentioned in a lot of his quotes, he's mentioning Astro Boy a lot. It has it has a very sort of like Astro Boy like '50s '60s sort of look to it. Um, King the big blue robot has sort of a um, Gigantor slash Tetrogen Twenty Eight kind of look to him, where he's like that big barrel chested mm-hmm. sort of robot. Um, they also look like Cadillacs. They, they yes. have a very old timey car sort of look to them, like Studebaker's Cadillacs. And there's even some uh, production art of like the air cars that were going to be used in, in the film. And, they look like those old timey kind of cars just without wheels. Um, the, the one vehicle that the trio were going to be using actually looks kind of like if you combined a Cadillac with the Mach five from speed racer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's they, they've got some very interesting, very like outstanding designs. I would have, <laughs> obviously I would have loved to have seen <laughs> this film like animated, but they're just like some real great, great, designs in my opinion that uh yeah there's a uh so i guess 
Robin and Lyrico's names are, are taken mm-hmm. from a 60s anime called Rainbow Sentai Robin. Um, and, and like you said, there's one of the vehicles is very reminiscent uh, of Speed Racer. Uh, and while working on it, Cone said he had this playlist of like these hopeful, happy 60s, 70s anime songs. Mm-hmm. And he called the playlist Shining Future, which is, again, morbidly ironic. Um, yeah. yeah, but uh, he he was going for something different, and he talked about how he was going for a more universal appeal. Yeah, um, and and the other people around him talked about how he was, you know, none of this reality, none of this thinky stuff. I'm trying to I'm trying to get a hit, baby. Uh huh. Um, so much so that he once. He saw Wally. He was really scared <laughs> that yeah. he was. He was like, "Oh no, I can't. I'm gonna have to scrap everything." Uh, but then he said, "Quote: I can't tell you how relieved I was when I learned that the two stories were totally different." Yeah, um, yeah. It's 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 kind of incredible. Um, it's also interesting that uh, apparently a part of the story is that Lyrico. And- and Robin, part of the reason they have to go is because of an earthquake that happens. Like they are driven from their their starting home by a, a tsunami that uh, just a, a couple years later in 2011 would be sort of a, a similar thing would happen. Mm-hmm. It is uh, Maruyama even said, I'm starting to think that certain creators do have the ability to see what's coming in the future. Uh, it's, uh, it's kind of astounding. Oh. Yeah, there's... Um... So looking at back at the character designs, one Robin has literally has a butt plug. <laughs> He's got a little <laughs> plug in his, on his bum. Um, but looking at some of his facial expressions, I'm curious if he would have gone Tokyo Godfathers on this in the sense of like we're we're gonna we're gonna stretch and squash. Uh, I I think absolutely yeah. Like I think with the visual style of all of the characters. Um, you, you kind of have to. And also, like, sort of the inspiration where if you're looking at a bunch of those older, like, animated series, like, they are... Staying on model is not a thing that happens very often. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're going to kind of combine those two where there's a lot of stretch and squash, like you are saying, but also a lot of just, like, do whatever gets the emotion out. Like, don't expect these characters to be, like, super stiff robots we need them to be expressive and and emoting and really just kind of get that out there yeah there's uh, we i think there's an obvious heartbreaking thing but i think it what adds on top of it is the fact that like you said it's it's a third of the way done Mm -hmm. there's a script there's a storyboard and uh, i was watching a re uh, i i i saw this video uh, where someone was talking about um, uh, Maria, Mariyama, uh, talking about him going from Madhouse to Mappa to I know M2, I guess is his new studio. Hmm. Um, and I guess he's he has this, and he's also been trying to pull this Pluto, uh, a, a, an anime series based on the manga Pluto, uh, which oh, wow. is a retelling of Astro Boy. Yes. Um, off the ground. Uh, and he talks about Dream Machine and... I think his part of his uh, not wanting to to move forward with it 
uh, one of the reasons I th- he said is that it even if they got a new director, it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't be and they you know finished it as is. He's like it still wouldn't be a Satoshi Kon movie. It would be that director's movie, no matter who yeah. they brought in. But then he talked about like I would be interested in like a live action version or a western version of it because then he could see like at that point someone could take the idea and it wouldn't be stepping on Satoshi Kone's toes. Yeah, you take the yeah, idea it, and make it your own. Yeah, it, it wouldn't be stepping on the work that he's already did before he passed. It would be taking those concepts and kind of retooling them or just kind of using that that director's vision. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I think I'd be interested in seeing something like that, but I think also, like, I, I, I think unless... I think the only way to go forward with, like, Cohen's version of it would be to do, like we were saying, put all of the storyboards into a book and just sell that as, like, here is Dreaming Machine, the, the as complete as it's going to be, the, the unfinished work kind of thing. I would really love to see Takashi Miike do a live-action version of this. And, like, I see it in my head now. He does the CG that he does with the uh, the live-action JoJo movies. Mm-hmm. Because he, he just, yeah, he just did Diamond is Forever, or Diamond is Unbreakable. Yes. Uh, and those, I do, I do like how the stands look <laughs> in, yeah. in that movie. And he's... He knows genre. He can do an emotional thing. It's mm-hmm. that would be interesting. I mean, Mike Mike does so so much stuff. Mm-hmm. He's done like he did like a Phoenix Wright movie. He did a, a Yakuza film as well. Like he will do. Mike will do just about anything. But he's also very good at sort of taking the recognizable stuff and making sure that's in there. And is as accurate as it could be uh, to to the original work in a live action sense. Um, I definitely think that'd be interesting for sure. Uh, yeah, and in in the in the West, I unfortunately don't know that many like Western animators off the top of my dome. Um, uh, yeah, I I don't know. Um, it's it's not to say I don't think there there isn't a a Western animation director that wouldn't be able to do it, but I think. A lot of them are. A lot of them would be more in like the the TV space than the the feature space. I think in the West, at least, um, there's a tendency for feature animation to be directed by feature film directors, live action feature film directors. Mm-hmm. Um, there is very few like animation only directors in the west i think outside of your television spaces um like the only animation primary director that i can think of would be like brad bird and he has moved on to to live action films like and i don't think something like dreaming machine would necessarily work for him uh as a as a project yeah he it's I think people would want Iron Giant, you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to what it could be. But the the more I think about it, the more I think I am in your camp where I just don't think you can do it. I think it's just cones all over it. Yeah. We're, you we're, know, you know who I think <laughs> might be able to do it. Okay. David Lynch. <laughs> we we've made Fuck. these comparisons so much, and even though like Dreaming Machine is not from everything we know about it 
it is deliberately not a Cone's take on reality and dreams and how they intermingle and things like that. The dreaming in Dreaming Machine is meant to be more of a goal. These are machines that have goals. They have a dream. They have a thing they want to accomplish. That is more of what the title is supposed to invoke rather than they are machines that have, you know, the, the, um, do, do Android dream of electric sheep sort of dreaming. Like, are these, these machines, are they human because of their actions sort of thing? They are, it's, it's more of, uh, they, they, they have a, a, a thing that they want to go and do. They have a, a desire. Um, so I, I, I just think, uh, I think I, I would love to see Lynch actually try. And they, there's, they get compared so often, we might as well have him take a look at the stuff for Dream Machine <laughs> and see if he can do something with it. He can do, just have him do his own animation. Don't reuse any of the stuff that's already <laughs> produced. Just have him go and do his own thing. But I, I would love to see what Lynch can do with it. Well, I know he can do a road movie because, uh, again, the Academy nominated the straight story. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and he can, and like, it's not like he can't do something with, with heart and something that's oh, yeah. uh, more of an emotional piece. It's yeah. I, I okay. I'm with you. The only he's the only man for the job. He's the only person for the job. <laughs> Get this Take story, that, boys. Aronofsky. <laughs> yeah. Nolan and Aronofsky just wringing their hands, <laughs> waiting for it to get to be able to get optioned. God, Licking no one lips. does it. You can't hear a thing anybody says. <laughs> what if the machines did a hoist? Injury. <laughs> And everything was gray. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but I think, yeah, I think that's it on the information we have on Dreaming Machine. Just, uh, what a... Yeah. Uh, I, it's it's an absolute tragedy in the, the purest sense, I think. Uh, it, yeah, it's worse than if we just didn't have anything. Yeah. I, I would definitely say go check out the animation obsessive articles on both the incomplete works, which has a bunch of stuff about dreaming machine. And they also have a, um, an article that is just about the stuff in dreaming machine that has a lot of, uh, stills and, and production work in it. That, uh, is, is just wonderful to look at. That does bring us, uh, to the, the passing of Satoshi Kone. Uh, he passed away on August 24th in 2010 at the mm-hmm. age of 46 uh, from pancreatic cap uh, from pancreatic cancer uh, he kept it i guess he he hid it away from a lot of people it was kind of a shock when it was announced um i know it was that was kind of part of his deal he he kind of found out too late mm-hmm. uh, this they decided not to go with treatment um and it's it had it spread the it had metastasized to like to his bones it it's it's horrible yes. Um, uh, but he, he wrote this very long, I couldn't read it. It was too, uh, I was too sad. Uh, but you can find his, his last words that was posted on his blah, that was posted on his blog posthumously. Um, but I do want to read this insert because it talks about dreaming machine. My biggest regret is the film dreaming machine. I'm worried not only about the film itself, but the staff who I was able to work with on the film. After all, there's a strong possibility that the storyboards that were created by our blood, sweat, and tears will never be seen. And uh, pausing for a second just to 
say that he he referred to himself in like the third person in some of this. Uh, so continuing, this is because Satoshi Kon put his arms around the original story, the script, the characters, and the settings, the sketches, the music, every single image. Of course, there are things that I shared with the animation director, the art director, and other staff, but basically most of the work can only be understood by Satoshi Kon. It's easy to say that it was my fault for arranging things this way, but from my point of view, I made every effort to share my vision with others. However, in my current state, I can only feel deep remorse for my inadequacies in these areas. I am really sorry to all the staff. However, I want them to understand, if only a little bit, Satoshi Kon was that kind of guy, and that's why he was able to make rather weird anime that was a bit different. I know this is a selfish excuse, but think of my cancer and please forgive me. I haven't been idly waiting for death. Even now I'm thinking with my weak brain on ways to let the work live even after I am gone. But they are all shallow ideas. When I told Maruyama's son about my concerns about Dream Machine, he just said, don't worry, we'll figure out something. So don't worry. I wept. I wept uncontrollably. Just like I'm about to do now. Uh, <sighs> he, uh, he... He lived for this, and that's rare, I think, for for creators. Um, and he just, yeah, the, it's just the fact that one of his big concerns was this movie for for various reasons. Um, uh, that that's it. I don't have. I don't. It, yeah, it's um, he. Obviously, it was his career was very rough, uh, just from a you know. A, a marketability, a, a uh, recognition standpoint, I think. Um, while he was alive, I believe he definitely received a lot of, like, critical praise. Um, but, you know, financially, uh, very rarely did he have a hit. Um, but he poured everything he could into all of his works. He was such a singular sort of vision in, in the animation space that uh his work truly stands out um and you know he had a a wonderful support network with his producers and his team at madhouse um that truly did their best to make his his visions come to life and uh it's 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 wonderful to see what he got out there what he managed to produce and what we were able to see uh while he was around like the things that him and his team did are truly wonderful pieces of storytelling, entertainment, animation, and it, it meant the world to him. And it is it is an absolute tragedy that he's no longer with us. Um, his, his farewell is uh, available online. There is a, uh, a person who managed to translate it. Um, it is very long. It is a bit rambly. But it is just, you know, his his farewell letter. He he knew that he was going to be gone soon, so he had to get everything out there. Um, and it's an incredibly sad, but also an incredibly beautiful read. And uh, I don't blame you if you cannot make your way through it. But um, if you think you can, I would I would recommend taking a look at that because it is uh, a beautiful and and bittersweet message to the world uh, that he left. And yeah. Uh, Satoshi Kong, gone far, far too soon, but he left a, a massive impact, I think. And 
uh, I'm I'm grateful for it. Yeah, we. I'm so happy that we have what we have, and that like, and just being in this format and being able to dig deeper in to everything he's done. Uh, finally, being able to visit the films that I had missed, or even like not even knowing he he was uh, a manga artist, and being able mm-hmm. to enjoy that, and and just yeah, we. Um, there's, it, 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 we, the world is richer for it. Um, like you said, his influence is felt in, in subtle, but also overt ways, uh, on, on both sides of the planet. And it's, yeah, I think tragedy is is the word you keep using. And that's, I think that's the best way to describe it. It, It's a tragedy. He, he was supposed to do more. He, you know, and, and he wanted to. Yeah. And he he would have just got better and better. I know we talked about doing rankings. Mm-hmm. I don't think I want to now. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a little rough now. Um, I do. I think we can. I was this week. I was thinking about it a bit. I actually revisited Perfect Blue. Um, the 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 Devil's Lettuce might have been involved, but like <laughs> that. To me, is that that's always going to be my favorite film of his, and I think part a large part of it is always going to be nostalgia reasons. Yeah, because of uh, just when I saw it for the first time in my in my late teens, early twenties, um, how different it was to what was being sent over here to the states mm-hmm. at the time. Um, where like literally, it's like if it wasn't sci-fi or fantasy or or boobs, um, it wasn't gonna get any kind of play. Um, and like seeing, it's the same way that Cowboy Bebop affected me in the way of like Perfect Blue feels like a movie. Yeah, it, it feels like a film. Not that anime or animation is like a, spar- a disparaging word, but it like you. I'm responding because Satoshi Kon is so influenced by the West. And it's taking all that and swinging it back to me, and 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 it's talking about a world that I'm unfamiliar with, uh, and the world of idols that I'm, I, you know, I'm learning about, and or that co- the film is teaching me about. And so you have that that very interesting well, the no, the novelness mm-hmm. of that setting, and it's it's just I think it, it's simple and it feel it, it feels scrappy. I just I love it. To death. I don't. I love the other movies. Um, I think Tokyo Godfathers is a very close second, but like Perfect Blue will always be one of my favorite films. Like, period. No, yeah. no asterisks or like parenthetical on that. Yeah, it's Perfect Blue is an amazing film, live action or animated. It it's it's up there. It stands. It stands on its own legs. It, it, it really it it has a sort of grittiness to it that I think comes from it being it having been an OVA that was supposed to be sort of you know uh, uh, straight to straight to tape sort of griminess that I think Cone came in and managed to elevate and managed to. Uh, really make it his own and it it sticks with you especially like you said like it's it stood out so much from everything coming out at the time 
that getting to see it really makes you think about, oh, hey, this is what animation and anime especially can be. This is what, you know, you can you can expect to experience from animation if you just dig a little bit deeper than the stuff being put out at the time. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a wonderful film. Again, I think it, it and Paranoid Agent were the the first cone things that I had seen. Um, and those two will especially stick with me, I think. Um, and I Tokyo Godfathers is absolutely wonderful. Um Millennium Actress, I think, is such a wonderful celebration of the film industry and the film industry in Japan, especially. That um, I think, I think it is probably my my close second now. Um, it's just a, a a wonderful, entertaining visual feast. Um, all the clever like little tricks that they do in the storytelling and everything really, really stood out to me. Um, So yeah, I think it's going to be perfect blue and millennium actress are probably my, my top two. Yeah. Millennium paprika is, uh, uh, is, is a feast of technical prowess and animation where millennium Mm -hmm. actress is, I think more about technical execution, like you were saying, where, where it's, it's using not only animation techniques but filmic techniques and editing. It's Millennium Actress is his best edited film, I think. If that make if that makes yeah. sense. No, I, I I understand. Um, yeah, I think it is. There's a clarity to it mm-hmm. that um, makes it stand above Paprika just a little bit to me. Yeah, and they're all it's they're they're all wonderful. <laughs> they're all great. They're all incredible. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it yeah this i think like we say at the end of every season it's just this doing this and being able to hang out and mm-hmm. rewatch uh some of our favorites and discover new ones uh from creators we love uh is is incredible and it, and it's such and it just deepens the appreciation i have for for these films oh yeah a hundred percent. Like I knew that Cohn was a wonderful director that we lost too soon. Um, but really getting to dig into his works and getting to dig into like his manga, the, the, the shows and movies that he worked on in a, you know, as he was coming up in the industry, um, that all just kind of deepened my appreciation of the stuff he would go on to direct himself and the, the how incredible those features are. Yeah, it's a wonderful artist. Just absolutely taken too soon. Who knew that our, our dumbest name for a series <laughs> would be <laughs> yes. our saddest? Our, our, you know, we had something. It had we had to have something to balance out the <laughs> the uh, the the melancholy. I think we are we are feeling now uh, after working through all of his 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 his, his works. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, thank you all for, for, for listening. Thank you all for, if you made it through the entire season, thank, you know, thank you very much. Let us know what you think. Yes, thank um, you. If there's anything that we missed, uh, you can write to us at thinking too hard pod at gmail.com. Um, you can also, I guess, find us on Twitter. <laughs> uh, things seem to have stabilized over there. Okay. If, but if things do kind of explode, uh, I'm sure the next time you hear us, if 
what we'll have probably like a co-host or something else like that. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll we'll see. Uh, but you can still find us over there at Thinking Anime. Um, if you want to support us financially, you can do so by heading over to acre.fm slash T-T-H-A-A to thaw. Thaw. Uh, and you can set up a uh, reoccurring donation of 99 cents, 4.99, or 9.99. You can cancel this at any time. Um, that money goes to getting us anime that might be or, or other media that might be difficult to get uh, we mm-hmm. really appreciate anyone who has or continues to donate to us um, you could find me personally uh, honestly just head on over to my other podcast Kame House Party uh, where myself and my co-host Vince White we are trying to cover every episode and iteration of Dragon Ball uh, we had a bit of a lull but we're coming back baby um, yeah. And you can also see us streaming every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern over at twitch.tv slash Kamehouse Party. Noah, where can the good folks find you? Kame Horse Party. <laughs> That's different. That's That might be illegal in some countries. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so, hi, I'm Noah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am at Kamen Otaku. That's K-A-M-E-N-O-T-A-K-U. Um, that's probably the best place to find me. I do have, like, a co-host and a Tumblr and stuff. So, if you just look for Kamen Otaku on there, you'll probably find me. Um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I also have a Hive, but Hive turns out to not be a great place for your security and, like, mm. information. So, don't don't do that. At least not for a while. Yeah, I mean, like you know, other sites—they're real good about it. Yeah, <laughs> but, it, but when when people can technically log in and then from their account and edit your posts as you, it's not great. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. I'm I'm again I'm I'm getting to the age slash I think we're getting to the state of the world where I'm done with the whole thing of social yeah, media. No, I can, I do not blame you. It can. Um, you can go kick rocks. I have an Instagram too. I have an Instagram that I will occasionally post photos of like the models that I am building. So you can do that too. Common Otaku, K A M E N O T A K U. Find it wherever you, you get your groceries. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. We, we are continuing. We're, we're yes. ch- going to keep chugging along. We don't quite know what that's going to be yet. Um, yes, we, we have some ideas. Some things have fallen into our lap, metaphorically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, but so if, yes. I, yeah, something new. Maybe we'll be revisiting some things we weren't able to cover. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Uh, so stay mm-hmm. tuned to this channel. Um, we, will, we will let you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, but thank you all for listening. Again, we really appreciate it. Um, yeah, until next time, I've been Aaron J. Shelton. I've been Noah Card. And we've been thinking too hard. <laughs>